exclusive podcast from Impact 89 FM. WDBM East Lansing. Welcome to Impact Exposure. Exposure is 88.9 The Impact's one-hour forum discussing relevant issues affecting the MSU community. And now, tonight's Exposure. 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. This is uh, The Impact. Impact Exposure, Tuesday, February 27th, 2007. Thank you so much for tuning in right here on The Impact. And uh, this is the show where we expose or make known really uh, good issues and issues that um, guys want to know about internationally and nationally. Uh, why don't we start uh, from the globe and move in? Uh, Mr. Drake is here with us, John Drake. And um, thank you so much for coming on the show. I was browsing around your website, and I'm sure the listeners are curious as to what exactly that is, but uh, it's it's pretty amazing stuff, and I thought when we were talking before the show, you told it best. So uh, you are involved with the Lingab Center in Toledo City in the Philippines, That's right. and this is a really good organization because it is a safe haven, almost, for abused and neglected children in Toledo City mm-hmm. uh, in the Philippines. Can you tell us a little bit about this? How did um, How did this center come to be, and how did you get so motivated to help kids in this area? Sure. I'm happy to and delighted to be on tonight. Thanks for the invitation. Definitely. Um, I was the uh, Senior Vice President of Human Resources for CMS Energy and Consumers Energy, and uh, we had a power plant that we purchased in the Philippines in the early 90s. And the company sent me over there as the top human resources guy uh, to figure out how we would do business in a foreign country. I'm the one that they would send in to see how do you pay employees, what's the work ethic, are there labor unions, what's the, what are the dynamics for doing business in these foreign countries. It was a great job. I loved it, too. Nice. And so one day we bought a plant on the island of Cebu in the Philippines. And so I was over there uh, focusing on the work. We had some huge labor problems, and so I spent a lot of time there. And over time, I couldn't help but notice uh, along the way that uh, there were a lot of street children, a lot of beggars, um, orphans, uh, and children uh, like this really didn't seem to fare very well. So I didn't pay a lot of attention to it. But uh, every time I looked a little closer, the, the situation got a little darker. And so I started to look under the rocks and find out what I could really find out. And what I found was that street children, orphan children, abandoned, neglected, abused children have no status uh, in some of these third world countries, no status whatsoever. They are right there about the same level as a rat or a dog or something of this nature. In fact, Mm -hmm. I have one picture that I use in my presentations where there's a little boy sleeping on the street and he has his feet hanging over the curb and there are trucks and buses missing his feet by maybe six inches. And in the picture, there are actually people stepping over him. Nobody even bent over to pull him out of the street. And this was just not right. And it just bothered me. So so this this is, um, you take a country like the Philippines, specifically mm-hmm. in Toledo City, mm-hmm. and this is a place where, you know, in the, in the United States, you know, we, we obviously have our own problems dealing with, you know, homelessness and, and, and children, et cetera, um, children in poverty. Right. But this is something that is so more, I guess I would say, different or extreme than we could really ever imagine. I mean, this is something where it's it's so prevalent in the Philippines. And uh, I remember we were talking before we started the show um, the and it also says this on your website. The mayor of Toledo City, mm-hmm. um, 
actually a- approached you kind of mm-hmm. and asked you to get involved. Can you maybe tell our listeners sure. how that happened? Uh, well, I want to be uh, clear about something that third world countries uh, you know, have a lot of economic problems, things that they're dealing with. So the situation that I found in the Philippines is not uncommon in third world countries. But this was the first time I was ever really given an opportunity to do something about it. And so what happened was when we, the company decided to sell our plant over there and we were leaving the country, and uh, as a going-away gift to the city for allowing us to do business in the country, we gave the school system 10 computers. And as I was mentioning to you earlier, right. they added those 10 computers to the, in, the, to the school system's computer network, and that brought the entire system up to 10. Ten computers, right. And so it was a very big deal. And uh, as we were, the mayor, as a result, wanted me to see the places where we were going to use these computers. So she took me around to these various locations. And as we were driving around, she'd obviously checked on me. And she knew of my interest in orphan and abandoned children. And she said, now you're the orphanage guy, right? And I said, well, not really, but why do you ask? And so she took me up to a facility and this building uh was built in the early 1980s and it was built as a slaughterhouse for pigs and what they had done is they had put about 10 or 12 street children into this building and as bad as that sounds you have to understand that this facility actually saved their lives but it was a it was just absolutely abhorrent i mean the the situation was just incredible and she asked me if i would be willing to renovate it and run it for them And so I should have laughed and gone on my way, but I didn't. I said, well, let me think about it a little bit. So I did think about it for about a year and a half. And finally I decided I can do something. And so I decided that what we would do is we'd build a new facility. Because this was your, uh, what you're talking about, this was your last time uh, officially coming out of the Philippines. So you you, you were planning on just kind of, you know, going back and kind of leaving it at that. We had given them the going away present, which was the computers. And I was delivering those. And the next day I was going to leave on a plane and never return to the Philippines. And then you found out about this first facility, which Mm -hmm. I I was reading on your website. And it, it was just amazing to read about how... Um, how really horrible the conditions were. I mean, you had, uh, I remember I think it said that you had children using the same water, the same um, troughs for washing their clothes that they did for, um, you know, getting ready for bed, I mean, et cetera. Like, it was just really... Yeah, that's, it's a, it was a cement trough, and they used it for washing their hair, brushing their teeth, taking a bath, washing their clothes, uh, cleaning their fish, um, wow. anything. And, and, by the way, about five feet away was an open sewer. It was terrible. I'm just just suffice it to say it was an absolutely terrible facility. So I remember also looking and we were talking about it. Then there, there all of a sudden, because of this old facility and everyone could basically tell that there needed to be some type of change, it was pretty much impossible for it to be or it was determined yeah, that it, needed it couldn't to be bulldozed. It, exactly. It couldn't be fixed. That's so right. how did how did new plans start to get to get drawn up or come up for this new facility that was that was eventually built in 2006 in March? Well, as I said, I thought about it for a long time and finally decided that I could raise the money. I don't know how, but I could do it. <laughs> and um so I met with the I went over there to do some investigations, and I met with the city engineers, and I had them draw me up a set of blueprints, and then I did a cost estimate on it, uh, how much it would cost, so I would know how much money I needed to raise. I raised the money, and we began construction on June 27th of 2005, so just a little, about a year and a half ago, uh, we started construction on the new building. Especially for a building like that with such an upgraded size to hold a lot more kids, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's really fast progress. So we were talking about it's mm-hmm. pretty good, pretty good building progress. Mm-hmm. Um, we we now could the the building was designed to house a hundred children, 
and is that's the number that you have currently right that's now. That's how many we have now. That's correct. really cool. What was the number again that you had be- before? In the well, it's hard to say. The old building was really capable of handling about ten or twelve. There mm-hmm. were about twenty in there when they knew we were when I, when the building was under construction. They started taking in additional kids. So when we closed the old facility in March of two thousand and six, is that right? Um, yes, March March two thousand and six. We had thirty nine children. And so we actually moved 39 into the new facility. And within about two or three weeks, we were up to 80 and then 90. And now we're at about 100. Um, This is Impact Exposure. John Drake is here uh, with us talking right now on the Impact 88.9, talking about the Lingap Center and how he is helping kids um, outreach in the Toledo City in the the Philippines and a brand new center that was built in 2006. Um, Mr. Drake, one of the things that we were talking about, which I thought was really cool before the show, was that you have 100 kids formally Mm -hmm. in in the center, but I remember you said that you have 100 kids, but you're reaching hundreds of kids through other outreach programs. What what kind of things are going on there? Well, what we did is we set up the facility. I have a staff now of 23, which includes four social workers, <clears throat> and we put into uh, place some policies and programs uh, where we do um, uh, anger management training, parenting skills training, uh, and so we have a whole host now of uh, of other programs that we're offering in the community. And so even though we don't, we have 100 children who are residents at the facility, we're actually touching a lot more. Okay, so this is something that, and is this working also, I, I remember we were talking about, is this working, I guess, parallel to what's going on in the government of the Philippines? I remember you said that there was some formal legislation that was passed, and it's, like we were talking about, it's a small step towards going at, what, what was going on in, well, in the government? What I was describing to you uh, earlier was that uh, orphan children and street children, if they do not have proper documentation like birth certificates, for mm-hmm. example, they're not allowed to attend school. And wow. um, <laughs> so these children even, and what I was telling you earlier, there's one little girl I have, her name is Eileen. She'd never been to school a minute in her life. She's only fluent, fluent in three languages. Right, I remember. I was, and uh, and this is a little girl who was not allowed to attend school, and so uh, part of the process of me deciding that I would do this was I got an agreement with the local public school system uh, that all the children would be able to attend school. So they're all in school now and church. They were not really welcomed into the church either, Um, and so they're all attending church and school. They've all been to the doctors and the dentists. But what you were referring to was as a result of this, some legislation was passed so that street children and orphan children are not prevented from going to school. Okay. They may not still go if they can't afford it or something, but at least they're not kept out on purpose. Okay. Uh, j- just so you know, anyone who's listening, uh, 432-3893 for everyone on Impact Exposure is the number, uh, 517-432-3893. Definitely want to get some callers. This is a fascinating subject. John Drake is here talking about the uh, Lingap Center. And I actually had a question for you. I remember you said that um, there were getting, like you were working to get private schools for the children and career opportunities. You actually mentioned that. I mean, when you have kids that, you know, they're not allowed to go to school or not allowed to go to church yet, they have such, you know, natural talent and natural abilities. I kind of see that, you know, you want to bring that out of them. You want to have them work it to their advantage so they can actually do good things in the world, um, especially in the Philippines, even on such a small scale, you know, like in with uh, Toledo City. Uh, What kind of career options do you think are are available to these kids or how are these kids working how are you working with the kids to get them really good career options well 
the one thing that I cannot do is I cannot pull a child out of the gutter and raise them in a beautiful facility and right. then say, all right, you're too old, now it's time to go back to the streets. Yeah. And I can't do that. So what I've been doing is I've been meeting with uh, business organizations. Uh, for example, one that most people might be familiar with would be Negros Navigation Company. It's a shipping line. It's a cruise ship line within the Philippines. And what they have is a, a, a year-long program that they will take any of my kids into as long as they're qualified. And what they will do is they'll give them their seamanship papers, and then once they've got that, then they can go to work for um, CF Sharp Crew Management, which is the um, staffing organization for the cruise lines, like Princess Cruise Lines, Royal Caribbean Cruise Lines, NCL, the other cruise lines. Oh, wow. And so this is a conduit into the cruise line industry for these kids. But again, they've got to be college graduates. So what I need to do is, working backwards, is make sure that my kids, uh, or the kids, um, are qualified uh, for these career opportunities, which means I've got to get them into college, which means right. that they've got to come mm. from a school that has a college curriculum, which means that in some cases, in the case of Eileen, who I mentioned earlier, uh, <clears throat> I had to take her out and put her in a private school. Right, because it's, it's, you have kind of this whole um, system in the Philippines where if you do not fit a certain, if, if, if you're not, you know, like you said, if you're homeless or if, et cetera, there are certain it's like you're almost confined to these certain channels. And I think mm -hmm. it's really good that, that you're trying to um, break that. Mm -hmm. um, let me ask you this really quick. What do you think about the future of the organizations such as, such as yours with the Philippines, et cetera? I mean, do you think that in the next few years, where do you see organizations like the Lingap Center going um, in terms of working with other organizations, working with the government? Where do you see this in 2010? No, it's a really that's good a real good question, and I guess I haven't gotten that far. My, my, uh, my focus to this point has been, first of all, to get the kids out of the street. You have to remember that this whole thing has only taken place within the last... I just I announced that I was going to do the project in November of 2003. So it's only right. I've only been doing this for about 3 years and the first initiative was just to save them to get them in a place of safety and shelter and get them fed. Right. They were they were starving. Yeah. And uh and now I'm doing the education things and trying to expand it and now with some of our welfare um uh, programs that we're putting into place, we're expanding out. The um, the school, the private school that uh, I'm working with, we are forming a, a formal relationship. Uh, I'm trying now to um, <clears throat> structure a formal relationship with Hillsdale College down at Hillsdale. Uh, they have the Hillsdale Academy. Right. We're adopting the Hillsdale Academy model for these kids. Um, and we're going to open up the, the the private school. The name of it is West Bay Learning Center. And we're going to open up West Bay for more community um, use. The libraries, the facilities, and so on will be open more for the community. So we're going to be developing that uh, uh, that whole thing. Where it's going to go in the future, I really don't know. It depends on how successful I am with some of my fundraising activities. Um, sure. If if I'm a tremendous success, I'll do a bunch more. That's awesome. Uh, and and especially talking about the, the future and how other people can get involved. I mean, it sounds like you have the organization going in the Philippines. You're branching out there, doing things here at home as well, um, all in terms of fundraising. Um, let me ask you this, Mr. Drake. If people listening right now would like to uh, help out in any way that they can, um, how could they do that? Well, I think the first thing I might do is direct people to my website. You visited the website. You found it to be of interest. Uh, yes. That address, if you have a pencil, is www.lingapcenter.org, and that's spelled L-I-N-G-A-P-C-E-N-T-E-R. 
dot org. Uh, there's a lot of information in there, and there's a lot of information about things that people can do. Um, if anybody would like to learn more about it, I would love to come out and give presentations to groups. Uh, I've talked to Spring Arbor students, Hillsdale College students, and other student groups that want to get involved with their international activities. There's a group at Hillsdale, Students in Free Enterprise. Okay. Um, and I'm going down to speak to them next week, uh, and they want to do an international project uh, for a competition. And uh, so this is going to benefit me as well as them, um, hosting fundraisers. Um, uh, we, we, I have a program for sponsoring children. It's called a place at the table, um, so that you can actually, you, we, we can't set you up to sponsor Susie, but I can set it up so that you can ensure that there's a place at the table for any child that comes through. So we don't have to turn them away. Wow. And that's on the website or just give me a call. My email address is helpingchildren at org. See that's and again, it's we, we were talking before the show started that you know the only thing necessary for bad things to happen really is for people to just let it pass by. It's not it's not really hatred that's really bad. It's kind of apathy. You know that's that's really the main thing that you know people just kind of turn the other cheek. I want to be really clear. I, I know I said this at the early, at the beginning, but I want to re- just repeat it. It's worth repeating, mm-hmm. and that is the Philippines is a wonderful place. Right. Um, and so I don't want to give people the impression that children in the Philippines have it particularly bad. It's just that the Philippines is beset with some horrible difficulties. In the Toledo City area where my project is, the unemployment rate is about 70 to 75 percent. And so you know, they don't have the means to take care of these children. And sure. if I don't help them, who will? Exactly. I mean, it's just we were talking about the Philippines, like any country, of course, every country in the world has has its own mm-hmm. problems in terms of unemployment, homelessness, et cetera. The United States is certainly not exempt from that. And it's, mm-hmm. it's really good to see um, um, organizations in all countries. And again, we're using like the Philippines as an example, um, reaching out and trying to help out. Mm-hmm. I think that's really, really nice. Um, I mean, it's, it's again, uh, guys, the phone uh, number is area code 517-432-3893. Uh, still have a couple minutes here, but um, it, it's really interesting. Another thing I wanted to ask you is um, and what motivated you personally, Mr. Gray, to get involved? Uh, you, were, you, you said you were actually going to be going back to the Philippines, and was, is it going to be very in, soon? In April. In yes. April. In April. I've been asked to go over and speak to all of the um, – regional directors for the Department of Social Welfare and Development on, at a symposium on child sex trafficking and violence against children and women. And uh, but what, in, what I think the, there were two, well, there were a number of uh, incidents that happened that really caught my attention. And one was the little boy sleeping on the street that I mentioned earlier. Another one is uh, child sex trafficking. I've been approached many times uh, for and offered children. Um, I have a picture that I use in my presentation where there were three little kids, two little girls and a little boy offered to me. And they were probably eight, nine years old. And um, that's just plain not right. Right. Uh, And it's those things. It's what happens to these children. And it's not the children's fault. They're victims. And in, you know, uh, poverty does insidious things. And this is a poverty-stricken area. And... Terrible things happen, and the victims are always the children, and that's just not right. And so you've been working these these past few years trying to um, correct that, trying to fix it, and hopefully establish some healthy channels so that when there's issues a, like this come up, it can be taken care there's of. There's a poem that I use in my presentation, and it's and I'll just tell it. 
you know, I'll paraphrase it, but it's, on the street I saw a small child, cold and shivering in, a, in thin clothes with little hope of a decent meal. I became angry and I said to God, how could you allow this to happen? Why don't you do something about it? For a while God said nothing. And then he replied quite suddenly and he said, I certainly did do something about it. I made you. Hmm. That's why I'm doing it. I have to. Exactly. Sometimes uh, the only uh, hope or help that people see is in the form of another human being. If not me, who will do it? No one. Definitely. And so, um, and and if people want to get involved and actually change lives, um, one thing that they, your listeners might be interested in is this organization. Uh, we cover all of our own overhead costs. All administrative fees are covered either by myself or by directed donations. Oh. And so that if people... Uh, do contribute money to it. One hundred percent of it goes directly to the children. Wow! And so, All of it? I mean, every single every that's, penny, every really penny, good. and uh, that's why if if people are really interested in changing lives and actually having an impact on children, a positive impact and saving lives, that's what it's about. Definitely, and uh, hopefully the uh, Lingap Center then is officially. How do you how do you count the the age of the actual center? I mean, do you count from the time in two thousand three when? The oh, I consider yeah, the new the new Lingap Center yeah. opened on March thirtieth, two thousand and six, and so we're coming up on our first uh, our first anniversary. Well, that's awesome. And uh, again, uh, could you maybe tell our listeners the website so we can, if if, if they're very curious and they definitely <laughs> want to help out? Certainly, the website is www org, and that's spelled L-I-N-G-A-P-C-E-N-T-E-R dot org. It's one word. Or they can reach me directly. My email address is helping helping kids at org. Okay. And uh, John Drake, of course, is uh, just working so heavily, and I uh, created and helped everything, just like you said, with a really good team in the Lingap Center in uh, Toledo City in the Philippines. And like organizations all over the world, he is uh, definitely succeeding in making a difference. And Mr. Drake, thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Well, thank you. I very much appreciate the opportunity. Anything I can do to help get the word out is really appreciated. Thank you very much. And all you listeners out there, stay tuned. We have some more great guests coming up. We're going to be taking a quick break right here on 89FM. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact. Smoking Helpline. Yes, I need to start smoking right away. Excuse me? I need to start smoking. Well, actually, it's the Stop Smoking Helpline. The people in the apartment next to mine smoke three packs a day, and it drives me crazy. So I'm thinking four packs will do it. I think you want MySmokeFreeApartment.org. It gives you the information you need to work toward a smoke-free apartment building. A smoke-free building? Without all that? Smoking. Uh, yeah, that's right. Make your apartment smoke-free without making a stink. MySmokeFreeApartment.org. When you get up in the morning and turn on the radio, you don't want to hear those other guys talking on your way to work, do you? You don't want to hear talking. You want to hear music. So here at The Impact, we are making you a promise. We're calling it the More Music Mornings 89-Second Play. We, The Impact, pledge that every weekday morning from 8 to 10 a.m., we will shut up and play music. We pledge that we won't talk for more than 89 seconds at a time, meaning more music all morning long. We pledge that every caller who requests a song between 8 and 10 a.m. Monday through Friday will be entered to win a great Impact prize. And we pledge that in return for your listening to us, we will listen to you and play more music that you want to hear. 
So tune into the impact for more music mornings. Let us know what to play, and maybe you could win some cool stuff. Only here on 88.9 The Impact. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact. Phone lines are open at 432-3893. And now, back to Exposure. 9 FM. This is WDBM East Lansing Impact Exposure. Alex Rusciano here. You guys just heard uh, John Drake, and he was talking about the Lingap Center, talking about uh, children uh, in the Philippines and the centers that he was he was working with uh, to help them out. Um, help comes in many ways, shapes, and forms. And right now, we are going to be talking about uh, Operation Freefall, and we have uh, two awesome panelists, two guests here on Impact Exposure. Would you guys like to introduce yourselves? I'm, my name is Jenny Weston, and I'm from um, SASE, which is the Sexual Assault Crisis Intervention Student Organization on campus, and also E5M, which is a um, theater troupe to prevent sexual violence. Okay. My name is Renee Rodriguez, and I'm also from MSU SASE, the Sexual Assault Program on campus. Okay, well, thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate you guys coming on the exposure. Very yeah. cool. Thank um, you for having us. No problem at all. I, you know, I, I was reading about a little bit about um, Operation Freefall. It sounds really, really cool. Um, could you maybe tell a little bit about what it entails and uh, kind of inform our listeners as to um, the really good things that are going on with Operation Freefall? Okay, Operation Freefall um, started in 2001 um, on the anniversary of her rape from SOAR. Um, her name was Kelly Green. She is the founder. Um, this year marks the seventh anniversary of Operation Freefall, and what it is is a two mile high stand against sexual um, violence against women. So it's basically a jump, a skydiving jump. Okay. Yep. Wow. <laughs> That's I, I, I personally would uh, probably be the person to, uh, you know, kind of contribute, but maybe be too afraid to jump. <laughs> but uh, no, that's really, co- that's really cool. Well, the good uh, thing about it is, is you can raise the funds to go skydiving, but not actually do the job. You oh, can actually good. designate okay. the funding to somebody else if you wanted to. So that's oh. another good thing about the organization. Okay. I thought I thought I would I would show up and then within <laughs> three three seconds there'd be something on my ankles and I'd be no. jumping over Okay. That's that's a very good thing to know. Yes. Um so h- how long has this been going on? I mean, um how long have have you personally been interested uh in in helping out and trying to do things such as Operation uh, Freefall? I'm sure there's been many more. What's personally motivated you to to reach out in ways like this? Well, I've been um, involved with uh, anti-rape, the anti-rape movement for about two years now, and um, I don't know, I just feel like sexual violence impacts everyone because rape culture is everywhere, and um, just one in three or one in four, depends what statistic you look at, um, Mm -hmm. women, college women are raped. So I think it's so important because um, I feel like it impacts everyone. Sure. And uh, this is actually something because, and this is why it's really good to have a show like Exposure because, you know, we have really good guests and this is one of the issues that, you know, it's kind of talked about kind of in college camp. You know, it's one of those kind of issues where you have welcome week, you know, and and, and issues intensify and that's when it's talked about. But then, you know, say after that, it kind of drops off a little bit. Kind of disappears. It kind of just, it's like where did it go, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, So, okay. So, I mean, it's, it's one of those issues where I guess, let me ask you this. Do you feel that sometimes people are afraid to talk about issues like this? They maybe feel a little uncomfortable. Um, but it's, it's, it's one of those issues is, you know, it's really good to get out in the open. You know, it's really good to talk about um, and raise awareness about, I think. Um, 
set. Yeah, definitely. And actually, SASE, um, like we said, the sexual assault program on campus offers a 24-hour crisis line um, for survivors or um, people that have been just impacted by sexual assault. Um, can I see the number on on there? No. Um, yeah, for sure. Okay, Go ahead. it's oh, five five one seven three seven two six 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 six, and it's confidential and um, twenty four hour. And if you want to talk about you know sexual assault like directly one on one with a person, someone's going to be available to do that. Okay, so it's it's you know it's not like you're you have an issue or you have a question or something and you you call up and you're not going to get someone who's you know or maybe like an um, answering machine or something like that. Someone's always there. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's really it's very comforting to know that. I mean, I, I would assume you know it's it's when you have issues like this, especially on, on campuses where you have you know so many kids concentrated in you know such a small area. Um, it's good because I don't know in in, in college you know it's it's kind of interesting because you can feel so cramped but at the same time if, if you have an issue that um you want to talk with someone about but it's hard to you feel so you know you have all, all your friends everything around you but at the same time you might feel kind of alone um and so i think it's really good that that there's a helpline like that um if if listeners out there you have any questions uh the number to call is 517-432-3893 uh 432-3893 Three eight nine three. So make sure to give us a call. Definitely like to get some uh, some more input here. So let me ask you this: Operation Freefall. Um, you don't have to bungee jump. Thank you. That's really good because I. It's one thing I'm afraid of. It's definitely heights. Uh, but so is this the first time that something like Operation Freefall has been going on, or is this the this has been going on for multiple years? Um, specifically, like. <laughs> or? I actually um, about three years ago I started Sassy as a freshman. Um, it was brought up by our volunteer coordinator that there's this fundraising event called Operation Freefall, and she told us, you know, you're going to be skydiving. And I was like, oh, man, that sounds really, really cool. Nice. And I had I knew that it was a fundraiser for um, speaking out about rape, which is sore, and I was just kind of like, okay. So I started raising the funds online, and I got to go. And that was great. I was the only person that went that first year. And then the next year I did some more research and found out that as an organization you can host part of the drop zone um, there's only one in Michigan, and then for every jumper that raises the full amount to go skydiving, um, you get a certain percent back to your organization. So it's a fundraiser kind of within a fundraiser. Oh, wow. Um, so I was like, I was really impressed about that, so I hurried up and I told Kelly Green, I was like, I definitely want to host this site um, as part of MSU Sassy, and we got three people to go. So, you know, oh, wow. kind of one person to three people, and then this is the third year. We have we have eleven people eleven people that's that are really, raising money right now to jump. That's huge. I mean, that's that's what that's. I'm so bad at math. It's like a three hundred percent increase, something like that. I mean, that's that's huge. And like, can I? Just, was it really scary to be the only person the first time jumping? I mean, that must have been like. <laughs> yeah, no, it definitely was because <laughs> yeah. um, at first we didn't have anybody else from the organization with me, and it was just oh, like no. my parents and my brother and like my family, and they're like, "Oh yeah, we want to see it." And I was, I was really. Really, really scared to do it. But actually, last year when I did it, I was horribly petrified because I had already done it once and I knew <laughs> there's a chance that something could go wrong this time. So I was even more scared the second. Oh, oh, of course. Yeah. You know, it's like you go through one thing and it's like, well, you really don't know what to expect. And yeah. you're doing it again. But um, it's, it's awesome. It's amazing. That's really cool. And you have 11 people now, which is, I mean, you, like you said a couple of years ago, you only had, you know, yourself, one yeah. person. Um, that's really cool. Now, I remember you said um, that you can... Uh, how, if people are really interested in terms of helping, et cetera, um, contributing to Operation Freefall, how would you go about doing that? If you're just kind of a listener right now and you're interested? 
Um, well, right now we're in the process of compiling all the um, participants' names, and we each have our own um, website, and people can donate to the, um, the individuals' websites. Okay. And we're trying to um, get it up on the website, endrape.msu.edu, um, the sexual assault program website, okay. so people can go on that re- website and donate to these individual um, people's pages. Um, but that won't be up until um, next week, at least mo- by Monday. Okay. All right. So there, there are certain things that are in the works, and they're going to be coming out soon. Okay. Uh, let me ask you this. You have really good, like, I was just reading um, in, in the emails before the show about Operation Freefall, et cetera. What, what other organizations or what other activities um, do you think that have been successful in the past as well? You know, like, you have Operation Freefall. It sounds like, you know, it's going to be really good. You've got a lot of people compared with other years. Um, has there been any any other things that have kind of really motivated any other events in the past that, that you can think of that have really motivated as well um, people getting aware, like, with sexual assault, et cetera? Has there been anything else um, that maybe is similar to Operation Freefall or, or like it or...? I don't think we've done anything as extreme as Operation Freefall. Operation Freefall is um, also a national fundraiser, so, uh, I mean, it's pretty big. But as far as in our community, we've done smaller fundraisers at, like, Coldstone, and there um, we will hand out all of our information with our hotline number and statistics about sexual assault. And that happens generally during April, which is Sexual Assault Awareness Month. So that's our big month to really get out awareness. Okay. Okay, very cool. And also we do, um, I know a lot of organizations do like bar crawls, but I think it's particularly important for our group to um, get involved with that because a lot of times alcohol is um, used as a tool to facilitate rape. So um, it's good to go out there to the bars and um, just pass out information, just talk to people about it and just talk about sexual assault and spread awareness in that sense too. And in the past, we actually had um, bar coasters that had statistics about sexual assault that we went around to bars and asked them if we could put them out. So that's another thing that we've done in the past. Very cool. So it's 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 basically finding new and kind of interesting ways to get people's attention. I mean, we actually, in fact, we had um, a couple weeks ago, about three weeks ago, was Sexual Awareness Week um, here at oh, MSU. Cool. Yeah, I remember. And so, yeah, and it was yeah. it was it was cool because what we were talking about was one of the biggest things with you know sexual awareness is the facts, statistics. Mm-hmm. People people always have questions about things, but they're kind of hesitant because you know it either makes them feel uncomfortable or they they don't know who to ask etc um in your experience actually want to ask both you guys in your experience has it gotten like that where you've had people come up to you and ask you things but they've been afraid to or i mean etc like have you have you felt that or uh, has it has it maybe I mean because like you know one of the biggest things I mean you know the worst thing is the fear of the unknown you know something that really you're just kind of like well I don't know what to do uh, have you ever had people come to you that have been really um, interested in finding out more about like for instance with Operation Freefall have you had people come to you that have been you know wanting to get really involved or had other questions about it or has because you have like 11 people right now this is this is huge this is great um more interest et cetera, that has been generated from that or i think um this year uh we're doing really well because we have like a few people involved that weren't even part of the um like anti rape movement and they weren't even a part of um like preventing sexual assault or any type of um work like that so we kind of 
um, got to talk to like a few personal friends of mine who were um, who decided to be a part of it, and they we we were able to generate some conversations about that. And I don't know, we didn't really have opportunity to do that otherwise. Okay. And then um, they tell their family and friends what they're involved with um, with Operation Freefall and how this um, is helping um, sexual assault survivors and things like that. And that generates a whole you know whole lot more conversation with, within you know their family members and their community. Okay. Do you do you think that that's the key? Really, is is kind of talking about getting issues out in the open is probably one of the most important things. Definitely. I would I would think. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. You know, because if people are unaware about things, or you know, they maybe yeah yeah you've been in like in class. I mean, actually, my professor did this the other day. You know, where well, you know, I know you've heard this a million times, but it's you know, well, if you raise your hand and ask a question. You know, that's good because maybe mm-hmm. everyone else in the classroom had the exact same question, but they were too afraid to ask. Um, so this is uh, Impact Exposure. The number again is 432-3893. Um, could you tell us, tell our listeners out there again how they could help or the, the helplines that are out there if they're more interested in Operation Freefall? Um, one thing is oh, the, um, the hotline, which I mentioned, mm-hmm. the number was 517-372-6666, and that's always available. Um, also, um, I just wanted to kind of talk about E5M, which is the Social Action Theater Troop, to prevent sexual violence. And um, if you want more information, if you want to meet us, and a lot of people that are actually involved with Operation Freefall, we're going to be um, doing a performance that is um, no cost, and it's at the... Uh, uh, hold on, I forgot the place. Um, um, the auditorium, God, the arena. Okay. I was trying to think <laughs> of it too. I was like, wait a second, I know <laughs> we, the building. We changed it, yeah, we changed it a couple of times. So it's at the Arena Theater, and it's at 7.30 on Thursday, um, March 1st. So um, okay. if anyone is interested in talking to us more about that, a lot of people are going to be there that's still involved with Operation Freefall. Okay. Well, it sounds like it's going to be a huge success, and with the amount of growth, I would yeah. expect next year would be even even better, I mean, even even bigger. Um, thank you so much. Really appreciate, uh, coming on the show, et cetera. And, uh, again, this is, it's really important. It's, uh, Operation Freefall. And when is, when is Operation Freefall going to be? Is that kind of still it's in the... It's April 28th. April, April 28th. Correct. Okay. Very and if cool. anybody wants any more information, just go to www.operationfreefall.com and there's a lot of information about it. Okay. Well, uh, we definitely want to thank you both for coming on the show. Really appreciate thank it. You thank so you so much for having us. No problem. No problem. We're actually going to take a, a quick break right now, but we'll be back with um, some more guests. So thank you very much. And uh, for all you listeners out there, this is 89FM Impact Exposure. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact. Attention shoppers, if anyone is missing a rather plump set of love handles, please come to the customer service counter and claim them. The ample love handles were lost in the produce department where their former owner had purchased fruits and veggies to munch on during the big game. Thank you and have a good day. Small step number 81, snack on fruits and veggies. It's just one of the many small steps you can take to get healthy. Learn more at www.smallstep.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Saturday nights from 8 p.m. until 2 a.m., tune into the cultural vibe to hear the best in both local and national hip-hop, plus live mixing on the ones and twos. Only on Impact Primetime. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9, The Impact. Phone lines are open at 432 432- 
3893. And now, back to exposure. Well, welcome back to uh, 89FM. This is Impact Exposure. We have uh, two more very cool guests. Uh, do you guys want to go around and introduce yourselves? Thank you. Yes, I'm Allison Kurtz. And I'm Lara Corey. And uh, we were just actually talking kind of really quick because we were uh, talking about guests and everything. We might have gotten uh, a few. but uh, So Allison and Lara, welcome to the show. Thank well, you so thank much you. for coming Thanks on. Thanks for having us. No problem. So why don't you tell our listeners out there, what kind of events do you have planned uh, in the next couple of weeks? Well, um, actually, we are members of Senior Class Council, MSU mm-hmm. Senior Class Council, and we have a number of events coming up. Um, first and foremost, we have our bowling, which is it's tomorrow night. It's going to be at the Union. Um, it includes shoes and unlimited games. Everyone is welcome to show up. And There's no charge. Yeah. All and right. please show off your bowling skills at the Union. It's from 7 to 8 tomorrow, so come on down. Any, anyone's welcome. That's very cool. And uh, is this now, what's, how many, has this been going on for a couple of years now the in terms of class council or the bowling the actual bowling event yeah it's been going on for actually you know this might be the first one I really think. yes i oh. think we uh are starting this new tradition hopefully we start off right and a bunch of people want to come and hang out it'd be really fun very cool how many how many people do you do you think uh you're expected to be getting tomorrow what do you think i say the more the merrier more yeah, the merrier exactly. hopefully a lot so hopefully i don't know i don't know if this is too high 100 maybe that'd be that'd be awesome that'd be nice. wow 50 at least yeah we have the whole union to ourselves wow that's really and, and uh listeners out there if you have any questions uh 432-3893 is the telephone number 517-432-3893 if you have any questions for uh, allison or lara and, you know, I, I was reading a little bit about the uh, MSU Senior Class Council, and one of the things which caught my eye, it's actually there was a little of a kind of like almost a press release, but it was talking about how, um, I think it was last month, they were talking about um, getting s- seniors out of debt, you know, and how there's credit card debt and everything like that. Yeah, we, we try to put on uh, different seminars. We had one uh, last month about, yeah, instructing students on how to get out of debt, which we thought was ve- very valuable and Really hit close to home for many seniors. Boy, I wish I could have been. That oh, seminar. yeah, it was Let a really good you. experience. Oh, I would have liked to have learned something about because I'm 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 a senior as well. I'm graduating in May, so um, I definitely would have liked to uh, have shown up to that. That would have been interesting. Uh, yeah. d- how many people did you, did you have for that? Um, it's hard. To, it's hard to say. I don't know. I um. Sounds like it was pretty popular though. Yeah, it was definitely, yeah. Definitely it, a huge hit. It, yeah, we hope to keep getting people to participate. We actually have um. Another uh, event coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an etiquette dinner, Ooh. and it's basically gonna uh, instruct students on how to conduct themselves during a formal dinner. And oh it wow! Includes a meal, which uh, it's a full course meal. I went last year, and it's very delicious. So nice, um, very filling. It's yes, very good. and very valuable. That stuff is stuff that um, it's always good to know. Okay, so is this is this more like uh, you you know for career opportunities et cetera? Maybe yes. you're at like a, for instance, a random example, but you know you have like a business lunch or something, and Definitely. you're meeting with a client or you're meeting with your boss or something. So it teaches you all the kind of like little subtle ins and outs. Right. Yeah. Like what fork to use, how to it's conduct business yourself. Business attire. Yeah. How to conduct yourself during a like dinner interview or a lunch with a potential Ooh. employer. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, and it's nice because it includes a meal too, and um, yeah, it's very valuable information. So, and you can bring a guest also, so anyone can come to this also. Very and cool. That's actually on Thursday, March fifteenth, from seven to eight thirty. Right after spring break. Yeah, at the Kellogg Center. 
And that's the etiquette uh, dinner. Etiquette dinner, mm-hmm. yes. Okay. Um, prior ticket purchase is required. And okay. you can get those at the... At any of the MSU Federal Credit Unions. Or the Student Alumni Foundation or MSU Alumni Association. Or you can just go on our website, scc.msu.edu, for more information. Very nice. So you have basically an entire array of events that are going on. And so oh, if someone yeah. someone's wants to check a date or something, they can go on. Oh, the... yes. Yeah. Do. Oh, okay. MSU or scc.msu.edu. Um, along with that, actually, um, I'm part of the new member co-chair. And we're actually recruiting 25 new members for the class of 2007-2008 for next year. Oh, wow. So applications are due March 19th, Monday. And um, to be part of a senior class council, you can help out with homecoming, job fairs, um, commencement speakers, any of that, it's like a leadership position. It's it's really fun. It's oh, basically, very cool. It's basically hmm. your... Um, Acting as a leader of the senior class of the senior class of Michigan State, and you get to be involved with all that stuff, like the class gift, um, commencement speaker, all of that stuff. So it's really fun for those people who love student council. This is like a perfect solution. Um, the applications are online, so again, our website is scc.msu.edu. Nice. Well, can I ask you a really quick a quick question? Yeah, um, yeah, how, does, how does the whole? Because I, I, it sounds really interesting. Like the Michigan State University Senior Class Council. By the way, if you just turned into the show, uh, this is Impact Exposure. We are talking with uh, Allison and Laura right now, uh, members of MSU's Senior Class Council. How does it work? I mean, how many people do you have involved in terms of the actual formal Senior Class Council? The people in charge of planning the events, organizing things. How does how does that work? Is it we have 25 positions, okay. and we're all divided up into committees. Okay, so there are different committees for different events. Is it like a different committee for each event, or is um, it more yeah, of a... Yeah, well, it could be like, for instance, there's a philanthropy committee, and they'll do different events. Okay. Um, like, we'll be helping make a, make a dinner for at Ron McDonald House and... Charity. Or, yeah, different charity events. So it, um, it could be that broad, or it could be as... Um, Specific as the career development, the career development, like planning an etiquette dinner or planning different speakers, career speakers coming into MSU. Okay, okay, so that yeah, like I'm one of the new member co chairs, so I'll be recruiting members for the following year, and we do like a retreat in the fall every year, and we interview potential members. Very cool. And then any ideas that any of the MSU students have that they want to like get back to us, and then we can that sounds, follow up on that. Yeah, please feel free to mention any ideas that they have to us. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Um, Laura, I, I remember you said that you were working on trying to get 2007, 2008 applications. Yeah. In so how many do you get per year? I mean, is it is it like does it vary depending on the year? Is it really like it's kind of very intense in terms of the selection? Or? It varies on um, per year. Okay. It is commitment filled, so there is a meeting every Monday. Okay. So if you're okay. listening and you want to be part of it, like that's one of the commitments, and then also like um, coming to some of the events. Okay, so, where you can find out more. Where where are the weekly meetings uh, held? That, uh, all at student services usually. Okay. So I mean, it's been tradition forever. So. Very cool. Well, uh, we're actually joined right now with Allison and Lara. Thank you for, for tuning in. Uh, the number is uh, 432-3893 if you have any questions. We're going to take a quick break right here on uh, Impact Exposure. We're going to be right back, though, to uh, finish up. And uh, this is 89FM.
You're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact. Attention shoppers, if anyone is missing a rather plump set of love handles, please come to the customer service counter and claim them. The ample love handles were lost in the produce department where their former owner had purchased fruits and veggies to munch on during the big game. Thank you and have a good day. Small step number 81, snack on fruits and veggies. It's just one of the many small steps you can take to get healthy. Learn more at www.smallstep.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Saturday nights from 8 p.m. until 2 a.m., tune into the Cultural Vibe to hear the best in both local and national hip-hop, plus live mixing on the ones and twos. Only on Impact Primetime. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9, The Impact. Phone lines are open at 432-3893. And now, back to Exposure. 89 FM, welcome back to Impact Exposure. Indeed, it is uh, Tuesday, February 27th, 2007. We are joined with uh, Allison and Lara, who are members of Michigan State University's Senior Class Council. And if you just tuned in, uh, we were talking about events that are going on to get uh, everyone involved, get more people involved with the Senior Class Council. Um, as Laura was talking about as well, there's new applications that are coming in, et cetera, for some of the positions. It's very, very, sounds like a very, very active um, institution here at MSU. Yes. Um, and I actually remember we were talking during the break that there were a couple more events that were coming up. Um, yes. Well, actually, we're still looking, we're looking for commencement speakers. Um, and those applications are due March 23rd. Um, if you oh. would like to see the commencement website, it is www.commencement.msu.edu, and that'll give you more information about the application. So, so if you'd like to speak for the class of 2007, you should apply. Graduation, yeah, everyone's welcome to apply. Well, because now I'm going to be there in May. Or graduation is when? Is that is the actual ceremony in May, or yes. is it mm-hmm. okay? Um, now, when you're saying like commencement speeches, like are you talking about the actual main speaker who's going to come in, or the person, or like people who speak as like during the whole ceremony come on in, or like the person that's um, yeah? Because the... I was I was talking to one of my buddies from U of M. He's like, oh, we have you know Bill Clinton's coming in to give our <laughs> commencement right. address. I was like, well, you know, we have the whole U of M MSU rivals. I'm like, whatever. So I I, I was curious, who do we uh. Well, actually, that... I heard that we've already had Bill Clinton, so I guess you can uh, <laughs> say you want up him. But oh, um, nice. We actually don't know the, who the like more main famous, speaker. yeah, the main speaker or like the keynote speaker. I guess you could say is yet. I don't think that they have disclosed that to to anyone yet. Okay. I think, I think that they're letting releasing that on in March, but we're looking for um, a student to speak. Like I think there's also a okay. student that'll be speaking during commencement in front of everyone. So that's who we're focusing on right now. That's pretty cool. So this is the, this is kind of like um, in high school where you had, you know, the main speaker, but then you had someone who was leading the graduating class, someone who was, like, I remember in high school it was, you know, someone who was had outstanding achievement or something working in uh, and, and speaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me ask you this, and I know you probably can't give all the details, but um, how does the selection process work what criteria say like someone's listening right now and they're thinking of applying what kind of criteria does the msu senior class council look at in terms of the applications i know you guys probably can't give too many Um, too many details well um, i would assume that um basically the content of the speech and also obviously the presentation being pretty articulate Right. Um, I also believe you have to have a three point or above. Okay, so there's so, like a GPA. Yeah, there's like a criteria well. on that. I think that there'll be the Count application process, and then um, 
like the I think I think then people will be able to present it and see how that they do in public speaking because if if you write a great speech but you can't present it then it's not going to be very yeah. exactly. entertaining for everyone at at graduation. So you practice know? like in front of us. Oh, okay, so, so whoever you select, um, he or she comes in, and then kind of there's practice speeches in front of the entire. Uh, or... I think it, I, not the entire. There's just like a few of us. I think that a there's a, okay. there's also a com- there's a commencement committee as well. Okay. So I'm sure it'll be in front of a select few. Okay. But just to get some practice and to get a vibe for how the person speaks in public. Very cool. Um, we're talking here with Lara and Allison, and uh, this is uh, 89FM. 432-3893 is the number if you want to get some callers. Still have about a couple minutes, about five or six minutes. Um, I was wondering, could you maybe go back and inform – this was before the break. We were talking about a lot of the events that are coming up, mm-hmm. obviously um, – and I still mean it. I said I, I wished uh, last month, you know, I could have gone to the uh, trying to teach MSU students how to get out of debt. It was one of the seminars that was put on by the senior class council because uh, I'm not saying anything about my own personal financial <laughs> record. All I'm saying is I could have certainly used a few tips here and there. But um, what other events, uh, again, do you have coming up in the next few weeks? Well, we have bowling tomorrow that's coming up, so please try and come out. Everyone, again, is welcome to come out to show off their bowling skills. It's at the Union from 7 to 8. Cool. And um, we also have an etiquette dinner coming up. Um, That's, again, to try to help um, instruct people how to conduct themselves during a formal dinner for maybe a dinner interview over a dinner. Um, You know, the proper utensils to use. Right. And the... Uh, prop, how to conduct yourself, basically. So, um, and that's actually coming up on Thursday, March fifteenth, from seven to eight thirty at the Kellogg Center. Okay, because I am always the person who it's it. I know it's a salad fork, but right. I, I always go for the dinner fork with the salad, and it's horrible. Yeah, this I think will they, help out. I, I think <laughs> they go from the outside in. I've heard something uh, like that. But, yeah, something. But we'll find uh, out, I yeah, guess, on March fifteenth. Yeah, definitely. So it's business attire, and prior ticket purchase is. Required And, again, you can purchase it at MSU Federal Credit Union, any of the union branches, the Student Alumni Foundation, or the MSU Alumni Association. Very and cool. the uh, tickets also include a full-course meal. So that's, if anything, a good reason to come and enjoy yeah. a full-course meal. Wow, cool. etiquette dinner bowling. It's a huge Whoa, meal. Yeah, this is, right. This is, what else is, uh, were we talking about uh, yeah. also? Yeah. One last thing, I'm also one of the co-chairs for new membership, and we're looking for 25 returning senior leaders or juniors that are becoming seniors next year, graduating 2008. So you can become part of Senior Class Council, be part of homecoming, job fairs, commencement, senior days. And again, our website is scc.msu.edu. Yeah, it's really fun to get involved like that, and you meet new people, and you get to... Um, I think I think make an impact and get to help with decisions and so, executive decisions for the speak as part as a representative for the class of 2007. So it's exciting. That sounds you know actually I, I was wondering you know I remember you were mentioning some events like you know homecoming or looking for people applications with like commencement etc. Do you find that when a really big event you know like homecoming and, and it's being planned or something like commencement do you have um, I remember that you said there were 25 chairs. Uh, do you have more people get involved with the MSU Senior Class Council and then kind of in, you know, areas or times where there's there's like maybe not as much going on? Or are, are there consistent events throughout the entire year where there's there's usually always something going on with the MSU Senior Class Council? Is it is it pretty much like every every week or every month or something going on? I'd say, um, yeah, it's pretty um, 
steady, I'd say. Yeah, like, towards the end of the year, which is now, we have, like, a lot of events coming up. Especially so. for including, like, senior days. We're going to be having different fun events for seniors to participate in, like... Okay. A lug nuts event and yeah. stuff like that to really kind of help people celebrate graduating and their time at MSU. Very and then cool. since we're graduating, we need yeah. new applicants. I mean, these yeah, applications are due March 19th. <laughs> so get on it. So right? please get on there. Yeah, we have to take our spots. So now, welcome to apply. Now, this is going to sound like a very stupid question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. <laughs> Go ahead. You have to be a senior to be a member of the senior class council because, like, in, in my case, I am technically a junior, but because of, like, stuff and, like, I don't know, like, AP stuff and scores and I'm, I'm bumped up to senior status, is that allowed in the MSU senior class council? Because I, I'm going to be graduating in May anyway. I was just curious, like, uh, is it more of, like, a like you have to – is it MSU senior is in fourth year or is it MSU seniors and it can be you any – we have. I think. Actually, it, I think like, it is MSU seniors. Their last year. It does not have to be their oh, fourth yeah, year. Yeah, we have like. Oh wow. A, we have a couple fifth year seniors, and so it's all about like your graduating year, not yeah. necessarily your it's fourth like, year at MSU. Oh okay. The last credit, the last bit of like the year. Yeah. So, so it could be my twenty fifth year here. And yeah. I can still. Exactly. You know. I, I you think be so. Part of it. <laughs> I think so. Awesome. I actually yeah. have You're a goal. You're lucky enough to, yeah, be in college for yeah. 25 years. So, yeah, you just have to be graduating <laughs> in 2008 to apply. Very cool. Um, now, if the listeners out there uh, are curious as to the website or how they can get in touch with, with you and anyone else who are part of the chairs for the committees um, and for really cool events, like you, you mentioned bowling, how can they do that? Where can they go? They can go to our website at www.scc.msu.edu, and we have a couple links, and you can just, like, go through the links on that, and all the information's on there. So go ahead and visit that website. Okay. Well, uh, Allison, and, uh, oh my gosh, I'm just blanking on your name. No, wait a second. Laura. <laughs> I was thinking of Laura, Laura Croft, Tomb Raider. But, yeah. uh <laughs> all the time. There she yeah. is. Yeah. Do you? Oh, okay. Um, no, there have been um, – th- it sounds like there's a lot of new activity going on, a lot of new things coming up within the next uh, the next couple months, especially with graduation coming yeah. so much. Right. Two months um, away. I know. So soon. Time goes so fast. Yeah. Um, but I just want to thank you both, uh, Laura and Allison, for coming on the show well, for Impact you. Exposure. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks. No problem. I really appreciate it. And good luck to you and the MSU Senior Class Council. Well, you get a lot you. of thanks. involvement and a lot of people. Thanks. Um, well, hopefully we'll – See you all at bowling. Yeah. yeah, tomorrow especially bowling seven eight <laughs> at the union, no charge. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, and uh, stay tuned, all you listeners out there, for uh, the future of music. You are listening to Impact. This is uh, WDBM East Lansing. This is eighty nine FM. Uh, I'm Alex Rusciano, and uh, this has been another Impact Exposure. So stay tuned for more great music. Thanks for listening to this evening's Exposure, only on 88.9 The Impact.